Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Shooting Czars World Cup podcast, but I feel like it might be a bit of a somber mood today because England have been knocked out of the World Cup, as I'm sure you've heard. Alex Grant, Bryce Conway, how are we both feeling? Alex, we'll go straight to you, mate. Wasn't the result we were after, but it's not a failure at this World Cup, is it? Pretty good, mate, I'm not going to lie, but like you said, England have performed um, really well this World Cup. Um, they've exceeded expectations. None of us expected them to get this far, and they've done tremendously well. So you've got to be proud of all the boys. Yes, you do. Obviously, tough result. England, uh, Croatia were the better side throughout the game. To go straight into the analysis, I thought they, England for the first half, sort of were there or thereabouts. Got the early goal through Kieran Trippier's exceptional free kick. Uh, Bryce, what did you make of the the flow of the game, and I suppose what's your take on the result and sort of how it's all played out for England? Well, look, I feel like it was definitely a fair result. Um, I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised how much energy Croatia had, actually, considering their two penalty shootouts in the two previous games. But you look at the starting lineups, Croatia are a very strong team, and I think um, it was a bit of a reality check for um, everyone that game. Um, I was just I'm very impressed by Croatia. They deserve to be in their first ever World Cup final. Yeah, no, no, you're right. They were. I was also really surprised about how well Croatia ran out that game. Um, England seemed to completely lose their legs in the second half, and especially in that extra time period, they just had no run. Um, and yeah, it was a bit disappointing to see because Croatia, like you said, have played so much football over the in the knockout rounds, and for England not to be able to match it from a fitness perspective it wasn't um wasn't what you wanted to see and I would have expected them to do better obviously the results they didn't really create any chances though England did they I mean they had a few Harry Kane should have excuse me Harry Kane should have scored uh his sort of one-on-one where he could have passed it to Sterling but they they were lackluster in attack and sort of were a bit stagnant Croatia seemed to really lock them down didn't they Bryce I just think they should have made it 2 or 3-0 in that first half flurry they had when I think Sterling was immense I mean he really silenced the critics from that previous few games in the tournament in that first half. I thought he was brilliant. Kane missed that golden chance, obviously, and Croatia just eventually made made them pay for it in the second half. Um, you could just tell once Croatia got that equaliser that they had that game as well. Um, I remained kind of naively optimistic saying to everyone that was asking me that, nah, Croatia would get too knackered following their previous two games. But they just charged on and Mand- Mandzukic sealed um, their spot in the final. And I think... I think England can be very, very proud of their tournament. Um, but it's just a fairy tale for the small Balkan nation. Yeah, definitely. It's like it's a bit, it's a bit disappointing, I guess, because like I, I there was a, a sense of inevitability that Croatia were going to get on top in that match. I felt as long as as the longer the game went on, Perisic for Croatia is bloody. He is tasty. Boy, he's he's a, a really tasty yeah. player. He's so good. He caused them all sorts of issues down the left flank. I uh, was running running the game out unbelievably well. I couldn't ha- believe how much run he had in his legs towards the end of that game. Um, but yeah, there was a sense of inevitability that Croatia were going to get a stranglehold on that game. I want to highlight Harry Kane because he had a fairly lackluster game. I thought he really wasn't involved in the match at all. And I, I suppose he's had games like that in the World Cup that has then popped up with a goal and scored the penalties when he's needed to be. But I just I don't think he was effective or as effective as he could have been. Alex, what do you think... Um, the takeaways from Kane were, or how do you think he went throughout that game? Oh, sorry, mate. I thought you forgot about me there. Um, <laughs> since I, I'm the only Englishman in the buddy in the trio, and you buddy all ranting on about how bad we played. 
Well, never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll kick on. Um, yeah, look, no, I'm joking. Uh, nah, I think Harry Kane, look, he, I don't know whether he was carrying or not. Maybe he dropped. The problem for his for me was he dropped really deep, and even though Sterling did really well stretching the back the back four, Kane was dropping too far too deep. Couldn't get in an area because let's be honest, when he gets the ball, he's not going to dribble ten men and and um, and put the ball in the back of the net. He's one of those. He's gets on the end of crosses. Um, and in and around kind of the guy, box, yeah. and then yeah, and then the occasional one from outside. But I think yeah, like Lingard had a chance in the first half as well, um, which we should have buried. And Kane obviously had those two attempts that I think they were called offside. But I think if you'd gone back to if you'd put it away, maybe it would have gone to VAR, um, and they would have overturned that decision. So yeah, no, you're right. I think the there was times he was coming. You mentioned him coming too deep, and I noticed that as well. And I'm sure everyone listening, if they watched the game. Would have seen it as well. I thought maybe he was coming to coming really deep just to get into the game, maybe because he hadn't, you know, touched the ball for a little while, and it was a sort of a way for him to get involved. But it just we didn't really have, or England didn't have a a presence in attack, and it's, it didn't really seem to work between Ali and Lingard and Kane and whatnot. Bryce, what, what's your take on it, mate? Well, I think what we've been applauding our tournament is Harry Kane kind of sacrificing his influence on the game by staying up top, so that when they do bring it up with the likes of Sterling and Lingard, they have someone up there to play the ball to and link up with. And I think this was the first time that Kane kind of dropped that and kind of wanted to force his way into the game and I think it I think England suffered as a consequence. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, but it's it was disappointing to see in this game especially I think this was England's probably their worst performance of the tournament in this match yep. and it just happened to come in the semi-final which isn't really um what you want, but that's the way it is. I thought Raheem Sterling, we'll go to Raheem Sterling. I actually liked his performance. I thought he was running Definitely. a lot. He obviously got subbed. He got subbed in the in the 90 minutes around the 70 minute mark. Uh, for Marcus Rashford, but I thought he was he was running a lot. His in behind runs were excellent. He was stretching the defence a lot. Bryce, what do you think? Yeah, I think it was Sterling's best performance of the tournament, and I'm made up for him because I think he was unfairly copping a lot of flack. Um, and as we discussed in the last pod, yeah, his finishing wasn't amazing, but the way he stretches defence and his tireless running and beating players, and you know, cr- having that link between the midfield wings and attack is crucial to this team. And he was a pivotal player in that. So I just think I'm, I'm really happy that he had that performance and kind of showed everyone what he was made of on, a, on, a, on the big stage. Now, Yeah, yeah. Look, Sterling, like we said, he was, he's not had his best tournament, but he, he does a job. Um, and he definitely performed in this game, which was great to see. And I think he'll have silenced a few critics, like Bryce has just said. But for me, um, England didn't learn from the mistakes that they made against Colombia. I thought that the... Um, First half, they like they played tremendously well. Um, the intensity was there. They kept the ball. They played well. They created chances. And then again, second half, even though they had the lead, they came out so defensively, so negatively. Tried to waste time. Tried to see the game out and made negative substitutions, in my opinion. And it costed them again because they run out of legs when they don't have the ball. And it allows Croatia to get into the game. And with a team with that. That much quality players in it, it's gonna they're gonna come back and bite you, and I think that's that's the way it panned out, and it happened against Colombia, um, and I think bringing Henderson off was a bad move for Dyer. I, I know even though he was under a bit of an injury cloud, I felt that he, he was such so pivotal in that central midfielding role that 
when he gets the ball, he, he actually does like to play and he can find that, that killer pass every now and then. So maybe that was the wrong the wrong decision. And then obviously he's forced Ashley Young off for Danny Rose and yeah. that brings a bit more energy. So, same with Rashford, but maybe someone a bit more attacking instead of bringing Dyer on so, so quickly after half-time. I think it was like 70 minutes, but even still, or it was just before the goal. Yeah, I think and I saw Craig Burley from ESPN's um, panel. He he was he was very surprised when he was subs. They were he says they were like for like. It was a striker for a striker, a wing back for a wing back, a holding midfielder for a holding midfielder. And it didn't really change the dynamic of the game. So like yeah. the personal changes didn't after didn't alter the shape, so therefore didn't alter Croatia's dominance, he said. And I, I, I completely agree with that. There was no real tactical shift or flexibility in his plans to try and you know, see if they can try another way of getting on, on top of Croatia because, I mean, let's face it, Croatia were on top. So I just feel, I mean, Gareth Southgate's been immense this tournament. He's done a, such a cracking job, but I think he, I think he, you know, he could have made better decisions on the night. Yeah, yeah, I that's agree. interesting you guys say that because I didn't actually have that thought at the time, but I suppose hearing what you have to say, it's probably fair. Um, I mean, what, what other changes could you have made, though, Alex? You say they were negative. I'd, I'd like to know what, what, do you, what you think he should have done in that, in that regard. Well, I just I want to brought Henderson off. Um, Deli Ali didn't look top, tip-top, and he hasn't looked tip-top for the last two or three games. That's and he's just one of those players. That, yeah, he just seems like one of those players that runs out of legs slightly. I, thought, I think maybe if you bring him on for, say, Loftus-Cheek or someone like that, someone with, actually, with a bit of presence in there, that could have changed things up. Um, he brought Rashford on, but I, I, look, I know Jamie Vardy's inexperienced in that in the in the World Cup. But maybe bringing him on just with a bit more, you know, grit and a bit more, you know, like his temperament is um is he's quite you know a physical player gets in behind um, compared to Rashford, who's more get on the ball, dribble at players and beat them. But yeah, yeah, look, there's just different things he's made the decision and. And that's what he's gone with, and in the end, it's not worked. But you know, like England can still hold the heads high, like we said. But like the better team won at the end of the day, and and that's what it was. Yes, they did, and the better team were definitely Croatia. There's no doubt about it. They've got a team littered with stars: Mario Mandzukic, Luka Modric, uh, Ivan Rakitic, Perisic. Um, they'll be playing in the World Cup final against France this Sunday night Australian time. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting game, of course. Um, I want to just quickly, before we wrap up England, I suppose it's not all doom and gloom from an England perspective. Um, here's a bit of, the fans may have seen this, but it's positive. It's a positive outlook for England. They're a young side. Their under-17s have recently won the World Cup. Their under-19s have won the European Championships. The under-20s have won their World Cup. The under-21s got to the European Championship semifinals, and the seniors have just been knocked out of the World Cup semifinals. So positive uh going forward for England. Future but is what's bright. Ne- yeah, the future is really bright. But what, what is next, do you think? Where in the team do they need to up, or upgrade or change? They definitely need to get another ball-playing midfielder to maybe sit alongside Henderson. I don't know if, if the Lingard-Alley combo will work long-term. There just isn't doesn't seem to be enough guts and enough... I don't know. There isn't enough presence in that in the middle of the park. I don't think. What do you think, Bryce? Yeah, I yeah, I think the biggest thing they need is a David Silver type of midfielder who can glide in and out between that front third and middle third and really be creative. I think the midfielders they have at the moment in Henderson, Dyer, Loftus Cheek, and those lads, they are fantastic. I mean, they're great athletes, great tacklers, great defense, but they don't have that attacking flair. 
And I think that's someone, that's the type of player that's missing for me for England is in central midfield, central attacking midfield. They can play that extremely attacking role. Oh? Yeah, look, they've got to keep producing players, um, bring the next lot through. These boys who are in there now, a lot of them are still young, so a lot of them will probably be there in the next World Cup if they continue playing well for the clubs. Um, well, yeah, I agree with Bryce. They need someone in there in the middle who's going to be really dominant and control and dictate play. I think that's something that they've really lacked over recent times and they've never really... England, you can never really say, have had a world-class central midfielder who's um, who can dictate play like that. What about Gerard um, Lampard? Yeah, yeah, look, you had, you've had, look, no, 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 no. But listen, you've had big names, but they've never performed. That's what I'm saying. Okay. In, At a major tournament, you know, yeah. Yeah, look, they, they do well for their clubs, don't get me wrong. Like They win Champions League, they win Premier League, things like that. But you've not had your Zidane's, you've not had your Iniesta's, you know, you've You've not, you've never had a player like that, and that's what England need to produce. Yeah, to they've win had that potential, but they've never kicked on and actually yeah. done it. Exactly. So that's for me. Like, yeah, just hold your horses, lads, before you start <laughs> criticizing what I'm saying. Oh. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, I think that's that's definitely what they need. Um, and yeah, and going forward now, I think you, the goal has to be to to get to a final now. Or um, of the Euros or the the next World Cup in Qatar and and go on and win it. I mean, yeah. if not, then you're going backwards, aren't you? So yes. there's always got to be improvement. Yes, and, yeah, and just like looking back on England's run now, I really wanted to pose this question to Grant. I mean, they beat Tunisia, pumped Panama, lost to Belgium, beat a Colombian side without James Rodriguez on pens, eased past the lackluster Sweden, then fell to a superior Croatia team. While it was a great run, it was great to see them do well. And it added such a great element to this tournament. Do you think that this run was as impressive as it's made out to be? I honestly think whoever's thrown up against it, you've still got to beat. And it doesn't matter who it is, what team it is. Um, you've still got to do the business. Look, you don't know. If they'd gone the other way, they might have done just as well. So you, you don't know. Um, they've done the job, so you can't criticise them for, for what they've done, um, for getting yeah. that far. So, I'm going to yeah. have to agree with you, Alex. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. It's just like you look at the teams over, it's not some kind of amazing run that they've gone on. That's that's all I'm playing at. I think it was great what they've oh, done. No, I know. I just, yeah. I know. yeah. I, but that's just the cards they've been dealt. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Okay. So yeah, no, take fair it, enough. If it, if, it was, if it was any other team, you'd, you'd be saying the same thing. So I think just, I, I think that's pulling <laughs> a negative, Bryce, to be in all honesty. I, don't think you, yeah. that's, I think that's a bit unfair after they've just got to the semis, after they've beaten Colombia. They First Croatia, who were... You know, the second best team in the world, or first best team in the world at this point. It's yeah, but they lost you. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, the, the I, first time yeah. they come up against a top class side and they don't do it. So, but I'm I'm completely for the positives. I just think it's important to have a bit of a broader look at their run in the tournament. But if they put the strongest eleven up against Belgium and then played that, oh, yeah, and won, that do you know yeah. what I mean? And that Belgium game has an asterisk against it completely. That doesn't. Well, they, well there you go. And that, and that, yeah. and, that, and that's. That's made way for the whole tournament itself. So, but I want to go yeah. back to Croatia if we could just slightly. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. Like Don't want to labour the England point. We'll leave. We'll no, leave no. England there. <laughs> um, obviously, Croatia are the winners, and they yeah. have progressed to the World Cup final against France. As I said, they were really good. Their midfield is exceptional. They sort of ran out the game better, as all, as we said previously. But there's been a few interesting storylines come out of the Croatia camp that I want to touch on. Firstly, is Luka Modric having it? Luka Modric is the captain of the Croatian national team. For those who don't know. They're sort of best midfielder, they're, they're big best player at the moment. Um, and 
he's had a big goal. The English media saying the English media underestimated um, the Croatian side. This is the quote. English journalists, pundits from television, they underestimated Croatia tonight and that was a huge mistake. All these words from then, from them we take. We were reading and we were saying, okay, today we will see who will be tired. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I think I did as well, to be honest. Um, and I think... I think everyone just kind of got caught up in the euphoria of England's run and it's coming home and all this. And I just think everyone forgot about you. I mean, you look at Croatia's team. They've got the starting central midfielders for Barcelona and Real Madrid in their team. They've got Perisic at Inter Milan. Mandzukic, who's played for Bayern Munich for years. I know he's moved on now, but he was, he's been an immense player throughout Europe for so long. And then you've got Dejan Lovren at Liverpool. You've got Subasic there as well. And I just think... That is a seriously good list, and it's been dubbed their golden generation. Um, and I don't, I don't think Luka Modric needs to kind of say that, and I think he can just crack on with it, and he's got a World Cup final to get on with. Um, but no, I think they're a, they were underestimated for sure, and they're a fantastic side. Anything you want to add about Croatia, Alex? Yeah, I just want to put out there um, about Nikola Kalinic, who we all know went home early from the World Cup, and I want to, I want to know how he's feeling. Um, he obviously is a talented striker and reportedly refused to come in as a, uh, a sub in the group stage win over Nigeria early on in the group got sent home so now he's feeling sad <laughs> oh my goodness is that right yeah, <laughs> do you not remember I do it, yeah, it rings a bell but yeah. <laughs> what a duffer never mind could have been a World Cup final but now he's Home. Yeah, watching it on the telly, that's it. Make sure you stick by your team. Don't don't get too big ahead. Anyway, another funny one was did you see Croatia's government wore Croatia's government all wore Croatian national team kits to parliament yesterday? So good. I absolutely love that. I just think that's again showing the magic of the World Cup and just how broad its influence is during this wild month that we have. And I think that's that's cracking from them. Good on them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they've got, they're, they're a nation of 4 million people and only gained independence in 1991 after the break of the Yugoslavia. I'm not going to bore you guys with that now, but I just think it's so good to see a country and it's remarkable to see a country so young and small do so well against nations with far greater resources. And I think that's what the World Cup's all about, giving a platform for those kind of countries to show everyone what they're made of. They're more than what you know many think, and that's fantastic. Definitely. There's also another... Uh, interesting topic or out of the Croatia camp, but it surrounds Luka Modric. So Luka Modric is up on perjury charges. Yes. And it's it's a situation that has divided the nation. So I'll quite, uh, quickly try and um, sum it up for, for all the listeners. So essentially, it's a complicated issue, but essentially Luka Modric, the captain who's up on uh, perjury charges, when Modric was coming through at Zagreb, he signed a contract with Zravko Mamic, and Mamic has been at various points uh, a Dinamo Zagreb executive and vice president of the Croatian Football Federation, essentially known as Croatia, Croatian Football's Mr. Big. So under these agreements, Mamic provided initial financial support in return for a proportion of the player's later earnings, um, and he would be represented by his son, Mario. Essentially, obviously, Modric has been sold on to Tottenham and Real Madrid for a lot of money, and it's gone back to Mamic. Uh, but this Mamic guy who represented Modric when he was younger, Seems like a relatively dodgy guy and he's been done for embezzlement and tax evasion. And in court, Modric had to testify against him and claimed that he ne- he couldn't remember the basic details of how much he earned in his early days and how much he gave to this man, uh, Mamic. 
But essentially, he's gone back on those claims. So it's a big political issue in Croatia at the moment. So Luka Modric is up on perjury charges and the and nation is divided and he could potentially be the one lifting the World Cup. This is another political issue to hit the World Cup. Hopefully, for the sake of the nation, they can all come together for Luka Modric's sake. But it'll be that'll be a particularly interesting issue. And one telling factor throughout all of this was that the way you can tell whether the Croatia public are on um, Luka Modric's side is whether they're wearing his shirt. So yeah, I think yeah, it's a bit of it's a bit of a divisive issue to be honest. I've I've spoken to a few Croats and it's it's quite a divisive issue over there. So it'll be interesting to see how the country gets around um, the team come World Cup final time. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, it's um, it's not affecting his performance, but he definitely looks like he needs it. Definitely looks like he's keeping him up at night. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he needs a good night's sleep, doesn't he? he does always does, doesn't he? Always looks a bit frazzled. He's yeah. a very intense looking person, isn't he? Old Luke. Listen, I've heard many people say he's he's a witch dressed as a boy, so it's he's 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 got a look. It's a definite look. <laughs> yes, Croatia and England. That is that. Croatia into the final against France, and of course, France beat Belgium the other night. And to get straight into it, is this a failure from a Belgian perspective, Alex? Um, no, I mean, they've done exceptionally well as well. Another team who I think probably would have fancied the chances getting into the semi-finals and how well they've performed over the tournament. Um, they were really unlucky and we we expected a lot of goals in this game and there obviously wasn't and it came down to an MT corner and, um, you know, another set piece. So it, it just, again, it proves how, how vital they, they've been in this tournament and if teams get them right, then... Um, it can take you all the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for Belgium, I'm going to say it has to be a failure that they didn't reach the final. Um, they've got a squad that's been amazing the past few tournaments and they haven't been able to properly make the most of it. I know semi finals a great achievement, but with their squad and how they've been playing, I think they should be making a final. And I think for me, it was a bit of a reality check for football fans this game with a very pragmatic performance from France. And from a very young team, and they showed you know quality beyond their years to show such poise and you know nullify Belgium's attack. And I think I genuinely forgot Lukaku was on the field in that second half. When the comment yeah, when the commentators good... brought him up, I genuinely forgot he was on the pitch. They completely shut him down. And I just think for France yeah. to pull out a performance like that, I thoroughly enjoyed the game because of the tactical nous of Deschamps in this one. I know he's been criticised previously, but he they were fantastic that game, France. And I think Belgium are very salty about this uh, result, aren't they, Stu? Yes, they are. Eden Hazard, the Belgium captain, has come out and said, I prefer to lose with Belgium than win with France. So that is uh, exceptionally strong words. He says, we play most beautifully. That's more my style. The little black spot is, of course, the goal from the set piece, but we know Deschamps is France. We expected that. Um, we couldn't spark the goal and I didn't find yeah, it. Yeah, not good enough. Couldn't but defend it and then couldn't no. score. So, yeah, I just feel like, ugh, it's such a weird comment. I don't mind I don't mind these weird comments though, Bryce. There's got to be a little bit of a bite. But players are allowed to come out and players should come out and say that, especially when your national team's been knocked out of a World Cup. Don't you agree, Alex? Yeah, a lot. Definitely. He's obviously a bit sour that they've lost. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they've lost at the end of the day. So, he's he's been a bit bitter. I mean, just... Be a, be a good sport. Take it on the chin. You've lost. You're on your way home. You're probably going on holiday now. So I don't know. I don't really. I don't really agree with coming out in the media and and slating the other team after he's obviously got holding a grudge there. Obviously. Yeah, and then you see in contrast. I mean, Southgate 
coming over and hugging, embracing Croatia players and saying congratulations and thing and showing class that way. And I think that's the way you should deal with it. Yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. But Eden Hazard's not happy and either is Thibaut Courtois. Thibaut Courtois has come out and said uh, he's blasted France. <laughs> France's victory over Belgium as a shame for yeah. football. So clearly Belgium backed themselves as being this big, wonderful team that the media built them up to be. But... They've failed, and they're not in the World Cup final. The World Cup final is this Sunday with Croatia and France. Yeah, Bucks. mate. So uh, I don't think anyone would have predicted this matchup in the final. I think seeing France in there was quite feasible at the start of the tournament. They'd been looking good, but a lot of people, including myself, kind of doubted their ability to not implode on themselves in some way and get and have an ego trip and have a silent coup or something like that um, this tournament. they've, I mean, I think they've really stepped up and shown great maturity for such a young side. Um, and I think they fully deserve to be in the final. I think defensively and structurally they've shown that they've, they're probably the best team in this tournament. And I think they go in as favourites. Alex? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like Bryce said, they deserve to be there. They've, um, they've, they've come up against um, some tough opposition and overcome them and Take for instance, I mean the Socceroos game. Look at that! After watching that game, you never thought they'd be in the final. So um, the Socceroos, going back to us, we did really well in that game. And and watching France, I wasn't overly impressed. But look, they've got there in the end, and they've got the got the job done, and they've got the players there and the quality in the team to to get them over the line. And I I think I, I actually want Croatia to win, but I, I likewise. Yeah, I, th- I think my um, I think. My head says France. What's the score going to be, Alex? Um, I can see it going to penalties, to be honest with you. I really can. I think it'll just be... I don't know whether it'll be a, a fresh start um, for everyone, but Croatia going through four extra times in a world in the World Cup. Yeah, they've got plenty of practice in their penalties, don't they? So Yeah, that's it. I could hold them in good stead. But I think, for me, the most intriguing thing in this game is going to be the midfield battle. You've got Pogba and Kante up against Modric and Rakitic. That's a blockbuster matchup right there. And I think France, especially in that midfield, are more athletically gifted. But I think Modric and Rakitic are perhaps more... Um, technically gifted plays and uh, you know better ball plays in that kind of regard. So I think it's going to be extremely interesting to see how that all pans out. How's this, right? So Olivier Giroud has been leading the line for France throughout this tournament. Olivier Giroud, uh, for, uh, formerly of Arsenal, now of Chelsea in English Premier League for the listeners who don't know him. France centre-forward. He's had hasn't had a single shot on target throughout this whole tournament, and he's been on the pitch for seven hours. Yeah, he was absolutely honking against Belgium. You know, usually his, his you know, little deft touches around the corner, one-touch passing is what he kind of prides himself on if he's not scoring goals, and even that was rubbish. So he, he was seriously had a nightmare that game. Mm. Yes, Olivier Giroud is no good. France, however, I think it's a unanimous decision here from the shooting. He'll go and score the winner in a World Cup final now. Yeah, something like that. No, France are going to win the World Cup. We think they're going to beat Croatia. Um, Alex said on penalties, Bryce, what's your tip? What's your score tip? I think um, I think France will win an extra time. Uh, 2-1, I'm going to say. Um, and I'm hoping Mbappe can get himself on the score sheet. I think it'll be a very tight game. I think showing France's pragmatism in their last game and being able to deal with a probably a Belgium team that might be stronger than Croatia, I think they can handle themselves against um, Croatia in the final here. But more importantly, the third-place playoff, England versus Belgium. Yeah. Does anyone give a toss about this at all? We'll, we'll let the, the token Englishman on the panel answer this one. <laughs> what game is it? 
<laughs> well, I've seen I've seen a tweet. I, someone said, "I don't know what's more pointless: half and half scarves or a third place playoff." Does everyone agree with this? For the listeners, the third place playoff game happens between uh, the two losing semi finalists at the World Cup. So, in this instance, it's England are playing Belgium for the third place playoff. So, it's for the third and fourth place. Uh, positions yeah, at, this, at this World Cup. But it's a bit of a, a sour note, isn't it, Al? It is, but for me, you want to win it. You want to be the third best team in the world. Um, and that's the way you've, you've, got, you've got to put it into context. Like Southgate, the whole England camp, they've worked towards getting to the final. They've not made it. So you've got to go and be the next best thing. So for me, they've got to... Will you care if they lose? Like, will you be proper, proper flat not, if they I lose be, this game? I won't be absolutely gutted, but... I think just for them and for the boys who are in the camp and the coaching staff and everyone, I think it'll do them the world of good. Um, yeah, fin- finishing on on a high note after such a, like a disappointing loss against Croatia. And getting the bronze medal to bring home, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's still a little bit. I don't know. It's a bit pointless. It's on this. It's on Saturday. So for the listeners, if you want to watch that, but I think there's, a, there's an, definitely an aura of what's the point in this match, and that's a sort of a view taken by the world in this one. And it's going to be, there's so many Premier League players between the two teams. It's just going to feel like a normal Premier League game, really, isn't it? Yeah, definitely will. All right, that's the the analysis. We'll leave it there. Uh, we're going to go into a little quiz here that I've brought. Um, yes, this is a bit of trivia brought to you by myself. Trivia. Alrighty, boys. The way this one works is it's a true or false. So can you tell fact from fiction with these World Cup statements? So this is just on the World Cup history in general. I'm going to give you three. Okay. So Germany have played more World Cup finals matches than Brazil. True or false? What do you you say, Granty? What do you reckon? True. I'm going to say false. Alex got this one correct. Brazil have had more finals appearances with 20 than Germany, 18, but Germany lead 106-104 on matches. There you go. Wait, so I was saying that Brazil have played in more finals. Germany have played more World Cup finals matches than Brazil, which is fact. Oh, I thought you meant as in actual World Cup finals. As no, in no, 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 no. All right. Next one. The 2010 final still holds the record for the most cards shown in a World Cup final. I don't doubt that for a second. That was a bloodbath. <laughs> it is Alex. True. No, wait. Um, yeah, I'm going to say true. Fact. The referee flashed 14 yellow cards to both Spain and the Netherlands and sent off Johnny Heitinger. And he- didn't send off De Jong for karate kicking Xabi Alonso in the chest. Oh, he didn't. Doesn't matter. Anyway. There should have been one more. Anyway. The only world, there has only been one hat trick in a World Cup final. Fact or fiction? False. I believe there's never been one, but I don't know. Oh, Alex, you've just thrown yourself under the bus, mate. Bryce? Didn't Jeff Hurst get one? Yes, fact. The only hat trick in a final came oh, came in 52 years ago when Jeff Hurst of England starred in a 4-2 win. I jumped in too quick then. I should have had a proper think about it. Never mind. I, I really appreciate another win, boys. It's been great playing. I think I won. I think I won two one. But never mind. But anyway, that was uh, first. <laughs> uh, that was a bit of trivia here on the Shooting Stars World Cup podcast. Trivia.
in other big to finish us off in other massive news in the world game. And we didn't predict, and we a few episodes a few episodes ago we addressed this on the the rumor mill or the 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 segment that was where we discussed transfers. But Cristiano Ronaldo has moved to Juventus from Real Madrid, and I love the man, and I'm gutted. Can't believe it, Bryce. Mate, the Bianconeri have got their man, and I think it's a great move by them. I know it cost them over $100 million to get a 33-year-old, but it's a 33-year-old that's still incredibly fit and at a best physical shape, and he really takes care of himself and scores bucket loads of goals, as we saw this season. And I think it really helps. I mean, they want to be become that global brand, so when people talk about the biggest teams in the world, the Barcelona's and Real Madrid's, Juve want to be in that conversation. So I think it's a fantastic move by them, to be honest. Alex? Yeah, I don't care. I'll see him in the Champions League final with United because I, I, <laughs> I, I don't watch Serie A football. I never watch La Liga football. So I'll see you in the, in the Champions League final with Man United next season. Oh, brilliant. So there you go. That is the wrap-up here on the Shooting Zars World Cup podcast. Alex, clearly not a fan of Ronaldo moving to Juventus. Uh, he nearly didn't get out of bed this morning. This podcast didn't uh, nearly didn't happen. Oh, Granty. That has been episode 11 of the Shooting Zars World Cup podcast. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Alex. Thanks very much, mate. Yeah, cheers. Look, thanks for coming, you know. <laughs> next time. We'll be back, obviously. The World Cup finals this uh, Sunday, 11 p.m. Western Standard Time, if you are in Perth. Um, who's going to win? France is going to win. Put it in your diaries. But this has been episode 11 of the Shooting Zars World Cup podcast. I'm Stuart Marshall. Thanks for listening. Here comes Tim Cahill. Oh!